The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, what are we drinking today? Well, it's barbecue day. It is barbecue day. <laughs> I like barbecue days. I like barbecue days. And so why not have some rye? So we're going to go purist, and we're having some Forrester rye, which is pretty, you know, underproof. It's pretty strong. And we're going to try it straight, and then we're going to do our scotch you know, tasting where we add a little water to see if it smooths it out. Okay. So okay. it's the Forrester. It's got a lovely um, caramel. burnt caramel flavor. Yeah, caramel and spice. Mm. Like clovey. So, so spicy. Very interesting drinks. It's real spicy, isn't it? Yeah, for an American whiskey, it's close to scotch. Yeah. But it's Different not scotch. Like, but it's not scotch. It's but more it, sweeter. But it's not a bourbon. But it's not a bourbon. Which I like. Definitely got the spice in it. Like I'm left with... Spice on my tongue. Yeah. It's got a and long finish. Yeah, yeah, long finish. It's a little narrower than it's way narrower. The scotches. Yeah. So do you want to try it with some water? I do, yeah. Yeah. And just see what it does, you know? Why not? Softens the nose, of course. Yeah, it's more sweet smelling. Wow. It makes it eminently more drinkable. So it's not as harsh. No. So you're not getting the the alcohol up front. No. And it's a little bit wider. Wider? To me, it actually comes up into the palate better. And it's longer. It's got a longer finish. And it's water. not quite as spicy. Exactly. Yeah. It's delicious. I, I love, love I love Forrester. It's a lovely one. And look at the legs on that. I mean, it's just dripping yeah. sugars. Oh, yeah. You know, it's beautiful. Beautiful. The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder dot app. You know, one of the things I really love about these conversations we have with different people is that we learn a lot about different relationship structures. Right. And, you know, ethical non-monogamy is an interesting conversation because there are all sorts of ways that it plays out. Right. And today we have, visiting us from Europe, we have Jamie, who 
is involved in an interesting ethical non-monogamous experience. And so, Jamie, welcome to the conversation. Hi. Jamie, you know, we're glad that you're here. We always begin our show by inviting you to share your journey as a sexual creature. So why don't you tell us sort of how you discovered yourself as a young person sexually and how that has evolved to where you're living the lifestyle you are today? Okay. Well, it starts so long ago. And and I was thinking about this because I watch your show all the time and I, I really love the way you guys interact with each other. So from just being a, a super fan to a, a guest is really an honor for me. So of course, I, I've heard this question asked and answered many times and I'm thinking about it last night. Oh, you know, it's really strange. My first sexual experience was with my aunt. And and it wasn't in, I was maybe six, seven years old. And I remember tying her to the couch while she was napping. And I found it strangely arousing to the point where I never forgot this day. You know, her, her bare feet, her... She was a very voluptuous woman, very, uh, she was a single, kind of hot and active mother of three children, and I I never got it out of my head, this roping her feet together and tying it to the end of the couch. And she kind of was waking up with one eye and just kind of winked. So I was like, she knows what I'm up to. And then strangely enough, when I was a teenager, the very first time I ever ejaculated was when I was at her house visiting my cousins and got a hold of my first adult magazine. And I was laying in the bed all by myself and reading the magazine with a nice heart on. And all of a sudden I ejaculated. So I think I was about 13, 14 years old. So my first, it, I, I don't know if it's incestuous, but coincidentally, my, my first two memorable sexual experiences were with my, or with my aunt or at my aunt's home. That's great. I think it's actually what you shared about tying up your aunt really resonates with me because I've actually babysat kids, even cousins of mine, as I was the oldest of like 24. And like, there were a few young boys that would do things like that tease you and first they'd be just teasing you with like jabbing you to get you to laugh and then the, the fingers would start to go to other places to touch you and and I remember having that because I was older I had a thought like what are they doing they're just seeing what they can get away with this is they're they're experimenting right now and it was harmless because I think that's how kids are wired but I really think that's a real normal occurrence. I mean, maybe not exactly what you did, but I think kids do this kind of thing. Right. I never, throughout my entire life or sexual experience, I never thought back as it was it was anything abnormal. Right. I I, I mentioned it as that was the first time I, I really felt aroused or had an ejaculate. So. It's coincidental. It's not incestuous. It wasn't really experimental. It was fun and games. I think one of the other, the other things that really kicked me off sexually was were, were babysitters. Were these women in charge that uh, we we used to play these game kind of hide and go seek, but it was different. That you know, she caught you, she'd kiss you, 
which I'm sure these days would be, oh, my God, the poor girl would probably be dragged to court, you know. But uh, back in the back in the late 60s, early 70s, that was that was somehow acceptable behavior. And, I wish I had babysitters. So I, I absolutely have to tell you that I was a professional nanny. I remember this exactly. And I wasn't thinking probably the same lines as the kid, but maybe a little dominant sadistic behavior. But that tag thing would happen in this kid's house. And I'd always catch him or he'd let me catch him. I don't know. He's a little fast little shit. But I would whop him on his butt. And it wasn't a whop like I'm spate, like I'm going to, like I'm mad. It was a playful wallop on his butt to get his attention and say, I caught you. Now, right. you know, and, right. but you can see how that plays right on the edge of that world. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it, would, if it was something that really woke me up, you know, something that made me curious throughout all my, uh, throughout all my relationships. As a, as a teenager, I had, you know, I was, the, I was the tennis guy, right? So I don't know if it seems to be a stereotype that the, the, the tennis pro and the, and the, and the housewives. <laughs> so uh, so I, I, I had plenty of different, different women and and different, different age groups. I think by uh, my teenage formative years, before I even lost my virginity, there was a, a senior and I was a freshman and she told me this summer, I'm going to, I'm going to de-virginize you. And I'm like, oh my God, I couldn't, I can't. You can't imagine the number of times I rode my bike by her house. <laughs> it was just like, oh my God, she's going to see me. She's going to stop me. She's going to de-virginize me. But I, can't, I can't quite go to the door and knock because if mom answers, what am I going to say? Right. <laughs> and there's a titillation by that fantasy itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. When, it's, when it hasn't occurred yet, there's a titillation people hang on to. There's, that is actually a phenomenon some people do is they hang on to the fantasy because the fantasy becomes so intense, almost unrealistic at times. The people hang on to those fantasies because they are in your spank bank. They're huge. Yeah. You know, so I get sort of the world that you're in when you were starting out. So take us forward to where you are an active sexual creature. And, you know, how did you arrive at the relationship that you have? Mm. Well, where I'm at now started probably with the my first marriage ended. Right. And and I think that was the 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 greatest thing for my sex life that could have ever happened. You know, you, you, I know the two of you have been married before and, and it doesn't, it doesn't really always work out. Right. And, and I was in a 11 year loveless relationship and, and I met my, my second wife, my current wife. I mean, we have an amazing relationship. It's not going on 27 years. Our, our, 25th wedding anniversary is coming up. Wow. And it was really about communicating that 
She wasn't afraid to talk about sex. I wasn't afraid to talk about sex because I knew that's exactly what I couldn't talk about in my first relationship. I just had to do something different. And that was the one thing that always drove me crazy that totally I just couldn't be intimate. And so we just threw caution to the wind and said, hey, these are all the things that we like and these are all the things that turn us on. And because we have this platform, we assumed and we were correct in assuming that they would grow and change and develop and mature, I guess, is a good word for it. So we were married and about three or four years in, I was bored one day and wound up in a, in a, in a swinger website and just like now so this is really something i just i had never heard of before and i just i don't even know how i stumbled upon it and i brought it up instead of hiding it like what i would have done with my first wife i i brought it up to my to my current wife and i said look um what do you think of you know swinging you know having different partners and it was it was a kind of a 50-50. You know, I, I was I was in on the game. She was in on the game. We we found another couple. We had some fun. Um, and we continued on that, that road for, for a few years. And we were we were living in the Netherlands at the time. It was sexually it was a very open place. And then we moved to Boston and I said, you know what, we need a social life. Let's let's try swinging again. Let's see if we can meet some people that we like. And we found a great couple. But in the end, as we went through various couples, I just never felt it. I always felt, and I, I, I never saw it in myself as someone unattractive, but I always felt like I was the one that was, well, the other wives were taking one for the team, so to speak, you know, that the men were very interested in my, in my wife and, and my wife was having a great time. And... I had women that would just, they were like, you know, masturbatory cushions. You know, it was, there was no excitement. There was no passion. There was no, there was, to me, I was just absolutely bored. Wow. And I noticed my, and because I would then finish earlier, I had plenty of time to, to watch my wife enjoy herself. And that was pretty much the start of, I don't know, the theory behind cuckolding. I don't think we even, you know, I didn't know the word yet. But the one other thing that I did find was in a magazine was a chastity belt. And and so we also were playing with chastity from time to time. Lockups were maybe a weekend, maybe a few hours. It was nothing really long term. And then we had, uh, then we moved again. We moved to Europe again. And... Again, you have this this downtime where you're trying to figure out where you're at and who you're with and what are you looking for. And, and so, you know, your sex life kind of goes on the back burner. But as things settled in and, and we were in Europe and, and there was a lot of different clubs, we, we decided, well, let's, let's give it another go, but why don't you just play? And as we found lovers for her, it kind of snowballed from, from there. I can see why. That's probably the best explanation I've heard in a long time of someone's real life transition into the lifestyle. You can see, it all, it's very logical. You can see how they kind of would occur 
from swinging and finishing early and then, you know, being bored for one. So you're not after finishing, not still interested in being touchy feely with the person. So you're now you're focused on your wife because of course that's the priority. And then you get these situations over and over again, watching her receiving pleasure and you have a good feeling about that. And so that kind of is the training, if you will, before you decide to embark on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, I mean, we had, we had basically been in an FLR uh, from almost day one of, of our relationship. So we, we had all these things just naturally occur. She has the, the executive type career and I stayed at home with the kid. And um, so the, the role reversal was already there anyway. <laughs> you know? so, um, so a lot of, yeah, a lot of what we've experienced just came so easy and logically and without any stress and without any jealousy. I can't tell you it's not without angst and 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 titillation as you used it i love that word <laughs> but because it's still in a cuckold relationship it's still not always easy it can it can really fuck with your head you know that's interesting i want to hear more about that i really do because i think a lot of young people have this fantasy about what it is Right. And it's I think it's important to understand what it really is. Yeah. Um, well, what it really is, ooh, in 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 my opinion, what it really is is you being okay as the husband that that you are no longer following the norms of society, uh that that the pleasure that your wife is seeking and getting is is not necessarily something that you allow, but that something that you partner with, right? I, I, I don't allow my wife to go out and sleep with other men. I, it's, I, I find that really ridiculous, you know. What I do do is I encourage her to be free, right? I encourage her to explore and fantasize and realize her fantasies as often as our realistically possible you know it 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 it, it isn't 24 7 it's not you know every other day she's got a date you know but we've had the experience where she found a guy or actually i found the guy for her and she got that that little skip to her heart right you know that 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 feeling you get when you find a new relationship and not just you know just it wasn't just about the fucking. It was really about, well, this guy kind of takes my breath away. I really like him. He's very attractive. He's interesting. He he was checking all the boxes that you would check if you wanted to date somebody new, right? And and so this 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 little feeling of falling in love, right? And of course, I'm still the primary love interest of her life. But you're still being teased with with the fact that do I stay the primary? You know, is is she is she? Is, am I am I on the edge of a cliff? Right? Can this go the wrong way? And I think the best way, especially for young people, if they have that, I think it's great when there's this emotional connection between the my wife or the wife and and a new lover. But it's all 
I, in my opinion, it's really about how do you handle it? If I freak out, right? If I, if I make a, a big deal out of it after every time they're together, I had the feeling that I would be only driving them closer together. But by showing that I was, I was supportive and interested and not jealous, I think it, it just empowered my wife to, to enjoy it, to, to experience something that she didn't think was possible in the, in the constriction of, of, of a normal, so to speak, marriage, right? Our, our, our church-formed marriage legal construct, right? Yeah. So I have a question for you. So there's lots of moving parts here. One part is you're a stand for your wife's freedom and her power and her self-expression, and you're encouraging her to participate to her heart's content mm -hmm. in the context of your marriage, and I get that. But then there's this other part where you're watching your wife become close to this person, and you're feeling a little bit insecure about like how that, what, how did you describe it? Am I standing on the edge of a cliff, right? right. And so the question I have is, is that where you derive your sexual satisfaction? Are you somebody who, who needs that fear motivated sexual connection to your wife or is it really not that at all hmm i didn't seek it out and and my wife didn't necessarily seek it out either but it was so it was so exciting right for for both of us right that that uh yeah i, I think it, it what it really did is it brought us closer together Right. So any any kind of negative insecurity only made us more solid. It really turned us into this amazing team of of of, of this is our sexual expression currently and and let's just continue to go for it. Got it. Okay. So just as a, a way of getting the full picture, are you and your wife during this time having sex at all? Or is she just having sex with her partners besides you? Uh I was probably on a on a three or four times with him to one with me kind of rotation there was yeah okay i was i was definitely i was definitely reduced right and the the, the idea of of pussy free or penetration free was 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 played with you know but it was it was never it was never fully enforced my wife really likes me physically, emotionally, sexually, that she wasn't necessarily willing to completely give up on, on that experience. Yeah, and that's, was, that's perfect, was, you know, and I think that that's important for people to understand is there's not a right way to do this. No, you know? no. You got it, because you said at the beginning, and I thought it was really brilliant, you said what sounded like what we do, which is our kink is communication, you know? Yeah. And I think I think that's really the secret to all of this, right? Now, you said in an earlier conversation I had with you that you and your wife had lost a recent long-term partner. So can you speak about that at all? Yeah, that was really sad. That was, that was the guy that, that really, he changed, he literally changed our lives. It was the one that she, in lack of a better expression, fell in love with. We went on vacations together with him, Greece and Italy and Austria and, and hotels and houses and parks. And, and we were really, we, we, were, you know, we, were, we were friends and, and it was going on for, for, for three years. And, and 
he wrote to us last week or two weeks ago and said, hey, I found this really incredible woman. And yeah, what are we going to do? We, we always wished he would. We hoped he wouldn't because he was so amazing for us. He showed us things that you know that we didn't think that we would, we never fantasized about. He was he was like a, a really I, I called him a godsend. He was he made he he turned our kink into honesty. Right? He got her to squirt, so she had sexual experiences that she had never had before. He also we we nicknamed we gave him the nickname uh, Cyborg <laughs> because he just never stopped. This guy. It was, it, it sort of, yeah, I guess it, my, one of my greatest feelings of jealousy was like, oh my God, why can't I do this? You know? And then she would go, because I don't want you to. I can't imagine fucking you for two straight hours. But with him, time just flies. <laughs> Yeah, it's fascinating. So I wonder, you know, it's like there's so many different aspects of this that we're probably not talking about that we should. But it occurs to me that when you have a relationship with another person like that, that's a long-term relationship and you really get to know them, you get to explore them sexually, like you really know them intimately on a level. Is there a sense that like you personally become more pansexual, like you, you can actually relate to him as a sexual creature yourself, or was he really just your wife's sexual partner? No. Well, that's a good question because it was he was the first guy I, I ever kissed. The thought had never entered my mind before. This guy was such an amazing, passionate lover, right? And, and such a, he was just this amazing kisser, right? We had oral contact, but but no 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 anal contact with each other. It was he was very conservative in that aspect, but it was it was it was just so natural and passionate. And I I never thought of myself. I never considered bisexuality. I never thought of calling up and you know going online and finding a guy to date. But there was something just so special with this guy that. I was super attracted to it. And I wasn't always, I, you know, she would always kind of like shoo me away from the bed and, and, and he would wink me over. So, so it was really, it was, it was harmonious. I, it was beautiful. It's interesting. Yeah. Because yeah, we are in a space in our sexuality where we think that it lives in the world of attraction rather than gender. Does that make sense? Because like that whole sort of pansexual context, we like to think it's because we're demisapiosexuals, which is to say, you know, you have to have all the buttons turned on to be attracted at all, and you don't know who's going to turn them on. And then they don't turn off. And then they don't turn off, right. <laughs> and, they, and you don't know who's going to turn them on, right. Yeah, right. No, I, I have to agree with that, you know, that, that in our experience, we've we've had the, well, let's go try this new guy, and, and basically... <sighs> They remain one night or or half a night or fifteen minutes just because those things don't click. You know, I, I, you touched on it a, a, a few shows back about how do you how do you vet a, a, a new a new lover online, and and this vetting process is is really really difficult. You know, and we need to check. We realize that we also need to check far more boxes than you know dick size and and 
hair length or, you know, whatever physical attributes that we would like to also have. But if it's not the whole package, it just it falls flat. And, and this guy checked every single box. He was, he was clever. He was attractive. He was an attentive lover. Um, he, you know, he didn't just like grab my wife and want to disappear. He involved me. He wanted me there. He, you know, both physically and mentally. Uh, it wasn't your typical Twitter, Twitter-esque, you know, cuckold scene, you know, where, where this guy's humiliating me and telling me how great a lover he is and how much, you know, he can make my wife feel, you know, it was not, it was none of these, these, these kind of, uh, I guess everybody, everybody does it their own way. And that wasn't our way. Our way was really about passionate lovemaking, you know, and this experience of new, something different, something that society says is taboo. And we just said, how could this be taboo? This is so beautiful. How do you know? That's how we feel Taboo's about Taboo is fun. Yeah. One of yeah. the things that I'm curious about, because since there were people, all different parts of their capacity for this dynamic, and they show up differently, but vetting is a thing. And some couples, the wife selects the guy, and then there's still a vetting that happens so that both partners are pleased. Sometimes the wife selects a guy, and the, there's no vetting, but it has to do based on their relationship agreements. How did you guys choose to vet and make those choices? Because you landed obviously on a good person, so you had to have some thinking around that. Right. My vetting process had well, I was doing all the vetting. I was doing I was doing all the work because she she was too busy and and didn't have time to screw around online looking for these guys. So I would I would vet them in in. Uh, you know, meet them online and, and chat back and forth. The quicker they went to a sexual talk, the quicker I realized that this person wasn't going to work. So when I think back to the to the text string that I had with with Cyborg, it it was it was really interesting. I mean, he he, he was talking about you know uh, how does my kid like school and and uh, I was like. Really, you're you're going you're, you're going to talk about my kid right now, <laughs> and, I, and so yeah, I was I was I was very impressed with the fact that we could talk for an extended period of time without. Oh, can you send me pictures of your wife's tits? You know, and you want a you want a dick pic? You know, I got a really great dick. I I can show it to you. you know, like, and then that's when I knew this guy is not going to work out. But if you could engage in a conversation, talk about the weather, talk about the schooling, talk about politics, talk about talk about what it is you do when you're not chatting with me, right? Yeah. Listen to the way I chat with you. And, and So what you're getting at is really interesting. What you're getting at is that the sex part is a thing, but yeah. it's not the thing that is driving your interest in having this relatedness with these people. It has to do with the relationship part. Yeah. I don't know whether you watched the show Lessons in Chemistry. No, oh, yeah. Yeah. But their whole relationship is that, right? It's the it's the getting to know you and what you're interested in and who you are as a human being. Relatedness, connection, it, alignment. Yeah. And then you get to the sex part and you find out, oh, He's a great lover. This is awesome. But aren't you also more open to having 
the experience of a great lover yeah. because it takes two to make a great lover. Yeah. I know oh, we yeah. like to point the finger away and say, wow, you're a great lover, but there's a way I responded that, right? Yeah. So when you come to the table already with the expectation that you could experience the best love because you already have this communication and this relatedness alliant connection. It's just like we talk about, you're creating them yeah, yeah. and then they're going to be the good love, you know? And if exactly. they're not, if they're fake at all yeah. during that process, yeah. it's going to show up during the sex. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If they have no patience to, to, to get to know me or get to know us, then they're definitely not going to, you know, then it's going to be the, you know, yeah, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, type of thing. You know, uh, I'm well, not. I'm not if f- you think about it, you're naked. You're the most vulnerable ever. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of hiding going on. Well, you certainly can't get away with being inauthentic when you're in a right. situation for right. if people are looking for authenticity. Look at my wife is not sex deprived, you know. Right. You know, it's it's not like well, we. You know, I think some of these guys think that you know. I must be such a useless lover. Uh, therefore, right. I'm coming in to save your marriage. You know, yeah. I think that's totally true. And I think that that's, is that, a phenomenon. That is a misunderstanding, I think. You know, the couples that we've talked to who have had sort of long-standing relationships with their wives, none of them are in that space. Not no one we've talked to. Well, even and then we just had a recent podcast, a bowl. Yeah. And it was probably such a revealing conversation real conversation and he's one of the quality guys like you you say yeah that's the kind of person that you want and and what he's looking for isn't just the sex but he's looking for relationship and partnership with the couple with the couple yeah Yeah. so i think that it sounds like the sex clubbish nature or how did you describe it the twitter cup profile like i think that's more in the world of fantasy and maybe for some who are like knocking on the door of what this relationship structure is. But what you're describing is ethical non-monogamy in the most yes. complete way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Totally. Right. And I'm just, I just happen to be, I just happen to be so incredibly devoted to my wife. And, and I have to say chastity has a huge part. My whole mentality being changed, you know, I can't, I can't even imagine being with, and other woman sexually. I, I'm not interested in it. And I have two beautiful girlfriends that I can talk to. And I'm, you know, so it's not like I'm a hermit that doesn't, you know, I'm not Mike Pence. I'm not hiding from, from women, you know, until mommy says I can come out and play. You know, it's just this, I'm so... <laughs> I'm so incredibly sexually satisfied with my wife and the way that we've decided to express it. I don't need anybody else. And part of her sexual fantasy and sexual being is being able to experience new. She needs new. She needs that charge. It's so important for her. And that has nothing against me. No, I got it. You talked about chastity being formative for the the state of being. So can you talk a little bit about that? So you mentioned it early. You said there was some sort of short-term chastity, but are you in a more prolonged chastity experience now? Well, for the last uh, three years, I would say I was 
I kept stats on everything. <laughs> how many days I was locked, how many how many orgasms I was allowed, you know, I kinda got caught up in all the all the Twitter fantasy stuff, you know, how many times did I I was allowed to penetrate sex, how many times did I have a caged orgasm? So I, uh, it came, it came down to about 75, 70, 75% of the year I was caged. And, uh, and I think when you're caged that long, yeah, it, 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 it does change your attitude. It does change your behavior. Nothing negative. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm just more and more devote to my wife than I probably have been before. I, I see her as just this goddess. Not that I didn't think she was attractive before, but it's like next level now. That's the common experience, I think. When I listen to people in long-term chastity, that's the common sentiment is they feel more devoted mm. to their partner and more committed in a way. It's interesting. It's kind of it's kind of cool, actually. Yes, and 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 all its kinkiness, you know, it, it's yeah. still really kinky because you got it's like she's holding on to you the whole day, right? Yeah, all day, all night, you know, and so you get that little bit of you know constant mild arousal. Oh yeah, but then in the end, you just you just you're just growing closer and closer and closer like you never had imagined I and mean, we've been yeah. together for you know 27 years Listen, I, I can totally understand I and mean, we just we spent last year exploring more of a femdom kind of experience together and i've never felt more devoted to you than i did during that time you know just because <laughs> really? i just depended on you for what i was wearing and and how i was going to not have sex with you and it was, it was, very, it was a very it was it was like so intoxicating, you know. That whole experience was so intoxicating. I totally get it. I can see why. I can see why uh, you <laughs> it's would go. Funny that you say that because I looked at your panties today and I thought, oh, I should pull out a pair of panties. <laughs> see, I get those. <laughs> yeah. So love, um, love is a drug. It is a drug. We love the drug. We're actually like high on drug, like all the time. Oh, like love wow. drug. I know. You guys are. You guys are. You guys are dealers. <laughs> we, are we are dealers. We are love, we're actually sexologists. So Sex we're love. Explorers. We're love dealers. Love dealers. Yeah. yeah. You, guys uh, are, you, guys, you guys are the Griselda of love. Griselda. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a huge we were on a We were on someone's podcast or a teaching this week, and someone said something about, wait, you have sex what, every day? Every day? Like, what? Yeah. You seen every day? And we're like, yeah. Yeah. And so they go, well, how do you, you know, like people are trying to get their heads around that. And I just laugh because I can see the wheels turning. They're thinking, well, I go to sleep this long and I work this long. And I said, no, no, it's the first thing we do when we reunite after the workday. There's no messing around. We don't wait till the late night when people are tired or they've had too much wine or something. We like are been dying to see each other. We've been sexting all day long. We've been yeah. basically doing foreplay all day long because we're sapios. And then when we get home, okay, now well, let's go. Let's get out of the way. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's just so interesting. I just think this whole thing's fascinating, and I really appreciate you taking time to come on the show. And I'm going to ask welcome. you. Oh, really? I appreciate it. And we're going to ask you to come back at some later point to talk oh, yeah. about whatever is of interest to you. Of course. I would love to. 
Because because we're we're gonna give you a. I just thought of a million other things to ask him. Title. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're a sex definitely a sex explorer. You're a sex explorer. Definitely part of the club. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, Thank man. You. Hey, you're more than welcome. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Thank you.